This is a QAMR Berghofer Medical Research Institute podcast. In developed countries, rates of allergies like hay fever and asthma and autoimmune conditions like inflammatory bowel disease have been growing in recent decades. And we know our genes play a role, but the research is showing that our diets and our increasingly sterile environments play a part. Today, we look at how our lifestyles are affecting our gut health and our risk of allergies and autoimmune conditions and what we can do to improve our gut health. I'm Claire Blake and you're listening to Body Lab. Associate Professor Severa Navarro is the head of the Mucosal Immunology Lab and her research looks at the links between allergies and autoimmune conditions, the gut and the immune system. Thanks, Severin. Let's start with what is an allergy? So an allergy is actually an inappropriate immune response to a harmless allergen. So an allergen can be just about anything. It can be a food, uh, it can be pollens, it can be cat dendrophs, uh, and it could be house dust mite, which is one of the most common allergen uh, causing lots of troubles to millions of people throughout the world. So an allergen uh, basically is something that we shouldn't be responding against, but unfortunately the immune system has evolved in a way that um, is just considering this as a danger signal and triggers all sorts of inflammatory responses and destruction of the tissues and the airways and uh, the well-known discomfort that causes rhinitis or conjunctivitis and in worst cases, asthma and uh, food allergy and anaphylaxis in the very, very bad conditions. What causes it to happen? Well, so it's essentially a major defect in the immune system in its ability to regulate. Some people that uh, have sensitization to these allergens, mm. um, the immune system essentially recognizes this as a danger and they will just amplify and amplify and go to the site of allergy. So, for example, if it's uh, an inhaled allergen, it will go to the airways and induce the immune response in that site and causes all sorts of trouble. At the end of the immune response, uh, normally the response contracts and retracts and goes back to normal. But in allergic patients, uh, they lack that ability. And basically the immune response goes on and on and on, uh, contributing to all the negative impact on the tissues. And this absence of retraction is because of a failure of regulatory cells to come in the, into the site of action and just tell these effector cells, if, if effector responses, to go back to a steady state. So this is essentially the root of the, immune, the, the allergic immune response. And I guess your research is based on why that happens or doesn't happen. That's exactly it. So the uh, defect in immune regulation is really at the core of multiple diseases. So allergy is one, uh, food allergy as, as well, uh, but it's also at the center of a range of other conditions uh, such as autoimmune diseases as well. So what we really focus on in, is uh, different ways to promote um, these immune regulatory processes mm. and make sure that we can restore them in people suffering from allergy in particular. We've been hearing a lot about the gut microbiome. Can you explain what that is? So the gut is essential for health in general. We find out that it's directing uh, a lot of the things and particularly the, the immune system has a very close relationship to that gut. Mm. And we found out that um, it can affect the airways, it can affect other regions of the body, and it can even affect the brain. And we find this is all 
coming back down to the macrobiome. So the macrobiome is essentially millions and millions of uh, small organisms that live within us um, that accounts for bacteria, but also viruses and also fungi. So it's kind of like an amazing ecosystem that lives within us where actually they're more numerous than we are in terms of human cells. This is quite amazing. But we sort of developed uh, this symbiotic relationship over, you know, thousand years of evolution. And uh, that microbiome really interacts very closely with the immune system and uh, influences health and disease. So what do we know at this stage about the role our gut health plays in allergies and autoimmune conditions? So we know that when the microbiome is imbalanced, so we, we call it dysbiotic. So that means that a normal ecosystem in the microbiome uh, should be uh, very diverse, lots of different species of bacteria. Uh, and now we're starting to delve a little bit more into the importance of uh, the uh, commensal viruses as well as fungi. Mm. And so all these three uh, organisms interact together. And so this should be rich and diverse um, and should also be producing small molecules that affect the immune processes. And these should be all harmonious and, you know, promoting health in a sort. When uh, it's dysbiotic, so imbalanced, that means that it's not as rich and diverse as it should be. And basically it's orienting the immune response in one direction Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily helpful to maintain health. Um, And when you say this is fairly recent, how long have researchers been able to make this link between gut health and allergies? I guess it's been all happening in the last decades or so. So um, the microbiome is not new, obviously. There's lots of environmental research that's been conducted on re- on the microbiome. We find it in biofilm, in surfaces, and you know, in nature everywhere. And up until the, quite recently, I would say the last five to ten years, we really thought that the microbiome in the gut was the only uh, site that was occupied by organisms. But we found that now the microbiome is essentially covering almost the entire surface of our body between the skin, the scalp, um, the mouth, obviously, um, uh, even in breast milk, in the lungs, so in the airways. Um, The microbiome is everywhere. And that's where we really need to consider it as a site of immunosurveillance that really helped the immune system uh, respond appropriately Mm. to assault, if you want, so like a pathogen. So stop thinking about it just being in your stomach. That's exactly right. But what's important to know is that if we modify the microbiome in the gut, we can positively as well influence other sites as well. So it can influence the microbiome, for example, in the airways and immune response that happen there or immune response on the skin and also modify immune responses that happen at these sites. Good place to start. Can you have an unhealthy gut microbiome and not know? Well, so, you know, when you're having all these weird... Pains that can sometimes, you know, affect, you know, pain in the shoulder and then it lasts for a few weeks and then it moves away. And then you can have maybe a skin inflammation that lasts for a few weeks and goes away. You can also have, you know, problem digesting and then it's temporary and then moves on. Um, Headaches, you know, those random bouts of inflammation that seem to be changing location on a regular basis. You can't really go to your GP and say, I've got a shoulder problem, please fix me. Um, It's just random things that seem to happen and appear and go away. And so this could be one uh, one possibility that shows you that maybe your gut flora is not as healthy as, it, as you would think. And what can we do to have a healthy gut? Well, 
One very simple thing is to change your diet and your lifestyle. So um, nowadays we tend to be driving everywhere and not walking, you know, to get our newspaper or to the grocery store because, you know, they're at further distance than they used to be. So sedentary lifestyle is one of them. Uh, but also the food that we eat is not necessarily the healthiest options as well. Like we are very busy. Sometimes we have to get takeaway or, you know, do prepare, pre-prepared meals. All these kind of things um, are not necessarily very healthy and mm. impact our gut flora in a negative way if you want. Um, so changing our diet to more uh, fresher options and uh, less pre-packaged foods mm. all these are the kind of very easy steps that we can take to just make sure our immune system uh, our flora and then the immune system uh, is a bit healthier that we already know keep away from the processed foods fresh and healthy and i should say this information is general in nature and, and not personalized medical advice so you should always seek medical advice about your own personal circumstances so is there any evidence severine on whether improving your gut health can help lessen or manage allergies well, yes. Uh, in terms of research output, so um, publications from uh, peers, uh, peer immunologists or uh, uh, microbiome experts, mm -hmm. uh, in the field, yes, there's definitely evidence. Now, this evidence, whether it has really come through to the market and uh, uh, in terms of either medication or over-the-counter therapeutics potentially for the public, you will see a range of probiotics uh, on the market uh, available and supposedly can treat allergy. But uh, the evidence linking probiotics to improvement of the condition is not necessarily there. But there are a range of changes that we can make to maybe dampen the severity of allergy. That being said, though, uh, an allergic response that amounts to asthma or an asthma attack or even anaphylaxis, you can't imagine uh, treating this with, for example, a change of diet or, you know, going off medication and just go on and say, yep, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm not going to have an attack anymore. This is not the case. Your GP needs to be concerted every step of the way. But if you're thinking of changing your diet, for example, to minimize the uh, recurrence of flare-ups, then by all means, this is a good thing to do in addition to your ongoing treatment. Right. And we have to talk about how hygiene standards in developed countries have had an impact. What, what is the evidence there? So this is actually very, very interesting because the evolution of humanity in particularly first world countries where we've improved sanitation and now we've become actually experts at killing all germs that are surrounding us whether it is in the kitchen or even just the overuse of antibiotics um, this has really had a strong impact on our microbiome and therefore our immune system and um, this has actually revealed a very important factor in uh, medicine now is we've discovered what we call a window of opportunity. So we know that young infants and newborns, uh, we know that they're most likely to uh, develop allergy at this point, which is usually perceived in, in the terms of um, atopic dermatitis or eczema. So your skin inflammation, uh, yeah. lots of babies um, suffer from it. And this is a sign of allergy. And usually eczema, uh, especially in families with history of allergy, eczema will develop in uh, food sensitivity, so food intolerance, as well as rhinitis and asthma later in life. 
So we can narrow down actually the development of allergy to that neonatal window, which has been labeled the window of opportunity. And this has been strongly linked to an imbalanced uh, uh, microbiome, um, gut microflora, if you want, of these babies um, that has been directly linked to development of allergy. So babies that are not dysbiotic, so that don't have this uh, immune imbalance, mm. are less likely to develop allergy. So this is brilliant. We see that this is happening in babies and that's an indication, but then what? So it's actually a, a, an amazing finding in the sense that now we know when we can possibly intervene to stop this from developing even further. For example, we can imagine a family, a mother or parents with family history of allergy. They are quite likely to have a child who will be developing allergies. Um, we know that first off, maybe they could change their lifestyle, make sure they eat plenty of fruits and vegetable, or reduce the amount of takeaway or processed food. That's something that they can already do uh, on a daily basis. Mm. And then we can possibly introduce novel interventions, for example, uh, something that could prevent the development of these allergies very early on. So these families don't have to go through all the heartache of, you know, having to discover what the food sensitivity um, is uh, with their child or, you know, the development of asthma and having all these worries and scares. You it's know. terrifying. It you is. and I both know parents that are terrified to leave the gate at daycare because of what their child might be exposed to. It can be fatal. Absolutely. So anaphylaxis is actually crippling, crippling for the family, crippling yeah. for the child. There's a strong incidence on mental health because of, you know, it will trigger anxiety in the poor small child. Um, and also it's terrifying for a, a parent to have to drop off their child at daycare, uh, not with, within, with no guarantee whatsoever that the staff will be able to have their eyes on that child yep. 100% of the time during the day, making sure that nothing happens. It's terrifying. So what is the hope in your research for these people? So we've taken a very surprising look, if you want, at the development of allergy uh, in the first world, where we've seen that there's something that we've eradicated uh, from the first world that used to be present, but is still very, very present in developing countries and uh, where they actually cause uh, major public health problems. So it's not about reintroducing these type of things, but it's just really to take a, a new look, a fresh look at these. So parasites are a heavy uh, disease burden in developing countries. Uh, but we've completely eradicated them from our lives uh, since sanitation and hygiene uh, was implemented uh, several decades ago. And so uh, we've taken a fresh look. Uh, we found that there are some parasites that are better than others. And we found that hookworms in particular have more of a symbiotic relationship with um, their human hosts uh, rather than a parasitic one. So they do live off of that human, obviously, but they live for decades for at least a decade within the human host without being detected and just evacuated from the host. And this is because in return for that meal that they get from um, the human, um, they return a lot of things in terms of trying to make sure that the host is happy. If a host is happy, then it will be unlikely to want to evacuate that um, worm from its gut, essentially. And what do they do to make us happy hookworms? Hookworms, uh, they will make sure that, uh, so they live in the gut, in the duodenum, um, and they will make sure that, uh, first off, that gut is very healthy, and then they make sure that uh, the immune system is working properly, mm -hmm. as in making sure that it 
doesn't have an appropriate immune response. And so this is what's very important. And this is where we've been working a bit further. So they make sure that uh, the immune system works properly and that immune regulation is working properly. What we've worked, what we've done in our group um, is rather than just imagining, you know, reintroducing hookworms in <laughs> kids and just having to deal with all the side effects. Um, what, we actually, you don't think that would be well received? Yeah, exactly. Everybody, I, we're bringing back hookworms. That's right. Give me your babies. Let's infect them. I don't <laughs> think it will go very well. Uh, plus, uh, there could be some side effects, particularly for the patient suffering from allergies. So that's not really something that we want to do. Mm. Uh, but rather looking at what is in these worms that... Uh, promotes immune regulation. And what did you find? We've actually found a couple of proteins uh, that we've called anti-inflammatory proteins because that's exactly what they do. They suppress inflammation mm. in a very smart way where it is not an immunosuppressant. So that means it doesn't suppress all immune responses. It just suppresses inappropriate immune responses. So all the ones that shouldn't be developing. It's doing that by re-educating the immune system in uh, allowing immune regulation to be happening functionally, normally, the way it should have been from the beginning. Mm. And so this is very interesting uh, because that means that we can potentially develop uh, these hookworm proteins as a potential therapeutics for allergy um, and allergic diseases in general. Uh, I know it's been associated uh, hookworm and celiacs and gluten intolerance, but this looks like it's a, a, a wider perspective as well. That's right. So immune regulation uh, is a defect that's in the core of multiple diseases, uh, not just allergy, uh, but also all autoimmune diseases like inflammatory bowel disease, celiac disease, um, even uh, multiple sclerosis. So I, I don't want to go into too many uh, because we don't necessarily have the evidence that uh, at this point that worm proteins could be effective. But because of these common mechanisms uh, for these other diseases, there is hope that we could potentially bring these as potential therapeutics. So instead of having a hookworm, you could have a synthetic version of the protein to help you digest gluten. Yeah, like a, just a normal medication that we could take orally, uh, like, you know, Panadol, hop, I'm going to take my hookworm protein and not have allergy anymore. <laughs> or even we can imagine a nasal spray. How far away are we from knowing whether this could lead to new medications? Well, we know we do have something very uh, with a high potential. Uh, we know that it works in mice, so this is the kind of work um, that we have to do in terms of bringing something to the market. We have to we have to go through a wide range of preclinical um, experiments, uh, preclinical data uh, to move this forward. So, uh, in vivo systems is a, a, are very important, uh, but we also know uh, because we worked with human tissues and human samples like blood uh, and other different types of cells that we also know that it translates very well to human cells. So that means that this particular uh, therapeutic has a very high potential to go into the clinics um, in the future. Is there potential there to treat those newborns and maybe prevent that from happening? Well, that's the thing that's quite amazing about these is uh, we actually found that we could use that window of opportunity to intervene with our hookworm protein and re-educate the immune system at the very beginning to make sure that actually allergy and potentially autoimmune diseases don't develop. So if we educate the immune system very early on, then they will no longer be sensitive to pollen or house dust mite or... Would that be potential treatment for all 
children or the ones displaying symptoms, early symptoms? Because hookworms in general are very safe and quite well tolerated, we have all reasons reasons to believe that this could be a safe approach for anyone, not necessarily kids that come from a family with history of allergy. But I'm going to go as far as saying, like, for example, um, we don't necessarily have allergy in my family. But my youngest was born with terrible eczema and food allergies. So I wouldn't necessarily have imagined that this would have happened. But this is a life that we have now where the environment, um, the food we eat, the lifestyle, lots of different factors contribute to the fact that people develop allergy at any moment of their life. Uh, and we're more prone to developing these diseases than you know we were maybe 10, 20 years ago. Um, so we could potentially imagine that this should be happening to maybe all kids. Severine, you have been looking at developing a molecule version of the hookworm, for want of a better word. So what is the link between gut health and that window of opportunity for babies? We've linked uh, a gut health imbalance, so a microbiome imbalance in newborns as a signature for the development of allergy um, later on in life. So eczema first and then leading on to food allergy and then asthma. The molecule we've identified within the hookworm um, that can be beneficial for suppressing allergic immune responses, Mm. we actually found that it also modified the gut microbiome. And in a way that um, was sort of re-establishing microbiome balance. And the, the link with the window of opportunity is that we could then rebalance that gut uh, microbiota in these babies and therefore restoring proper gut health from beginning to start with and as well the normal processes that are essential to induce uh, immune regulation and therefore preventing uh, the development of allergy in these babies. Really exciting research and we really look forward to sharing more of your results in the future. Thanks so much Severine. Thanks Claire, it was a pleasure. And for more on Severine Navarro's studies and all our latest research, go to qimrberghofer.edu.au.